somebody move my pulpit. I feel really out of balance like that. <laughs> Matthew chapter 19. And this morning we're going to cover the topics, the teachings of Jesus on marriage, divorce, and singleness. I'm sure most of you have heard the story of the two sisters that were on the corner crying uncontrollably. And as they were there crying uncontrollably, you know, just sobbing and weeping, one of the sisters, she turned to the second and she said, why are you crying and weeping uncontrollably in this corner? And the response was, I lost Bobby. I loved him so much. I, I wanted to marry him. He was the, the dream of my life. I, I lost Bobby. And then they just both just broke out in sobs again, crying uncontrollably there in the corner. And then they both kind of mustered up the strength. And then the second asked the first, why are you crying? And she said, because I married Bobby. <laughs> And, you know, you've heard that so many times, you guys. And uh, it seems like as we live this life, you guys, uh, you've probably heard it said, the world says it this way. They say, you know, you can't live with them or without them. And I just want to tell you this today. That is not true. You can live with them if you're married. You're commanded to live with them. And you can live without them. God will show you that as we study today about marriage, divorce, and singleness. Because look what it says there in verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And they said to him, Well, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. And his disciples said to him, with such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. (laughs) You know, we're, we're living in a society today, in a country today, where definitely there's a grave mis- misunderstanding regarding marriage. Unfortunately, people are getting their counsel, they're getting their teachings from the world, from people like Oprah Winfrey or Dr. Phil, um, you know, from people who do not know the Lord, they're walking in unwise counsel. You know, and, and we see the enemy attacking marriage in many ways. I know all of you here, I'm sure, are familiar with the fact that You know, now in the state of California, they have made that judicial decision to legalize homosexual marriage. And we should fight against that. We should pray against that. In November, I pray that you vote against that and that we just uh, ask the Lord to touch uh, this country. When it comes to marriage between a man and a woman, it's something that we need to fight from a political perspective, undoubtedly. But there is so much hypocrisy 
in the world that we live in today. Even in the church. You want to know why? Because the church is fighting marriage politically. They are fighting this homosexual agenda. But they are not living marriage personally. And if the church would have lived their marriage personally, then maybe we would not have this fight politically. There is grave hypocrisy in the church. We've made our bed, and now we're lying in it. We need to know what the Bible teaches regarding marriage. What does Jesus say regarding these whole things? And you look at this here. Jesus is traveling from Galilee. He goes you know, south into Judea beyond the Jordan, and great multitudes follow him. It says there in verse 3 and 2, and says, and then the Pharisees came to him and they tested him. And you know, in one sense, I'm blessed that the Pharisees tested him. For in the process of testing him, Jesus teaches us. He teaches us about marriage, divorce, and singleness. And I look at this and I realize that these are three important topics in life. Now, if you go over to Mark chapter 10, verse 1, you realize that Jesus was in the middle of his teaching and they interrupted him and asked him this question. They say there in verse 3, notice again, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? You know, and you look at that and it sounds kind of simple at first. You know, what does the law say? What do you say, Lord, about divorce? Can a man divorce his wife for just any reason? Reason And so why is this uh, such a testing in the life of Christ? Well, the reason is in those days there was a couple of opinions. One was conservative, one was liberal. One said you could divorce your wife for just any reason. If you fell out of love with her, if you found someone else, if she burnt your food, if she was too friendly with some other guy. I mean, you name it, the liberals of the day, for irreconcilable differences, you could divorce your wife. That was the liberal view, that was the popular view. And then there was the conservative view that says, no, just for the reason of sexual immorality. That's the only way you could divorce your wife. And so why is this a test? Well, in one sense, the motive of the Pharisees was to ostracize certain individuals from Jesus Christ. And they figured, well, you know what? He's not going to come up with a good answer on this. And so we'll get him to divide the multitudes. Because look again what it says right there in verse 2. And great multitudes followed him. They did not like that. And so they were trying to ostracize certain individuals from Jesus Christ. But, you know, as we've seen time and time again, when the Lord was facing those difficult situations in one sense, where it seemed like there would be no way out, there was no answer that would be, you know, right to be able to mend this whole thing, the Lord had the answer, didn't he? Just as the Lord always has the answer. Whatever it is, whether it's the taxes, whether it's some spiritual theological thing, whether it's marriage, God has the answers. And even in your life, you're probably facing certain dilemmas and you're wondering and you're thinking, there's no answer to this. There's no way out of this. Yes, there is. Even though from a human perspective, it seems impossible, God has an answer for these things. You see, the Pharisees slightly underestimated Jesus. You know, they didn't realize that the one before them was the Lord Almighty with all the answers. He's the master because he's the maker. And the bottom line is, Jesus would pass any test, any exam with an A+, right? We know that, huh? Can you imagine someone thinking he didn't have the answer? I mean, can you imagine Jesus, uh, maybe he was 
I mean, I don't know. I was thinking about this, you know, visualizing Jesus there participating in, you know, that game show Jeopardy. Have you ever seen that, man, with Alex Trebek? I mean, it would not be Jeopardy for Jesus, right? He would have all the answers. Uh, I remember that game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Now, I don't think the Lord would have gone on that game show. But if he did, he wouldn't need the 50-50. He wouldn't need to phone a friend. He wouldn't need to, you know, poll the audience. Why? Because Jesus is God Almighty with all the answers. It doesn't matter what the testing is for him or for you. He is the one that has the answers. And just as he always does, what does the Lord do, you guys? He points us back to his word, right? And that's what he did here. He said to them there in verse 4, Have you not read <laughs> that he who made them at the beginning, he made them male and female? You know, he asked these guys, and just as he asks us, I believe, these questions that are so important, this one right here, fundamental. I mean, haven't you read your Bible? Don't you study the scrolls? And apparently they didn't. These Pharisees, even though they were there and they had that place, they were not really in the Word. The Word was not really in them. You know, Eric did a study this last Thursday. It was a really neat study about how we need to get into the Word every single day. And the Bible explicitly says that Jesus taught daily at the temple. The Bible explicitly says, give us this day our daily bread. A lot of times the problems we have, you know, the questions we have is because we're not really reading the Bible. We're not in the Word. The Word is not really in us. Just like with these guys, that was their problem. Many times the Lord asked them that. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 3, He said to them, Have you not read what David did? Or in Matthew chapter 12, verse 5, Have you not read in the law on the Sabbath? In Matthew chapter 22, verse 31, again, the Lord said to the Sadducees concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I just want to encourage you guys, I really do, to read your Bibles, to be in the Word. If you're a Christian here today and you're, you know, maybe you've been a Christian for more than you know, two years, you should have read your Bible, the whole Bible by now. From Genesis to Revelation, there's nothing more important. Turn off the TV and get into the Word. It's really cool, man. The Lord here just points them back to the scriptures and he takes them back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 27, where the Bible says that God created man in his own image and the image of God he created him. It says there in Genesis 1, 27, male and female. Now that again, this is something that's important to us, huh? Because when we look back at that first family, the foundational marriage, the model of marriage, we see that the Bible says God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, right? We've heard that many times. Male and female. The maker of marriage said that he made them male and female. So the Bible says. And as we read that, the Bible says that he brought them together in holy matrimony and it was totally the Lord. Adam was sleeping. God fashioned a woman comparable to him. God then joined them together, the first marriage, the model marriage, there in the book of Genesis chapter 1, according to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the Lord takes him over to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, where the Bible says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You see, the model marriage for mankind, the first and 
foundational family was one man, one woman, leaving all others and cleaving to each other, physically, emotionally, intimately, sexually. And in that process, what happens, you guys? A miracle takes place. God then glues them together and they become one flesh. And so the answer the Lord gives them, it's rather obvious. He says this, Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And that's the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you look at verse uh, 2 right there and verse 3, and and I I just want to, you know, we need to go through this whole thing because we really want to have a clear, concrete understanding of marriage, divorce, and singleness today as we go through our text according to Jesus Christ. Now, remember, the question here was, can a man divorce his wife for just any reason? Okay, don't forget that. No. The Lord says no. You can't divorce your wife for just any reason. God says no. And when you look at that, the answer from the Almighty is no. Why? You know, because that's something that God has done. God has glued you together. It doesn't matter if you get tired of each other. That's not a good reason. It doesn't matter if you're here today and maybe you, from a physical or an emotional standpoint, have fallen out of love, in that sense, from your spouse. Now, again, love is not a feeling. It's a commitment. It's a spiritual decision that you've got to make. But you know what I mean? I mean, you know how when you first met, you couldn't eat? Remember those days? (laughs) And you just wanted to talk on the phone, even you guys, for a long time. Remember those days? I mean, you had that funny feeling in your stomach, and I don't know how that works. And you, you just have that, that feeling of love, so to speak. I mean, it's, it's, it's really a puppy love. And as you continue to get you know, involved with each other and get to know each other, maybe the feelings come and go. Maybe they're still there. That would be cool. But that's not the fundamental factor. If you've fallen out of love like that, doesn't matter. You can't divorce someone for that reason. You know, you meet someone else. You can't divorce someone for that reason. You become someone else. You can't divorce your spouse for that reason. No, we need to come back to the way the Lord sees the sanctity of marriage. You know, something happens, you guys. Something happens in God's eyes when we make those vows before Him. Something happens when we consummate a marriage. And that's why it's so important that you stay pure sexually until you get married. Something happens in God's eyes. God makes two one. Therefore, man should not separate what God has joined together. It's so simple. If you divide the number one, what are you left over with? Fractions. Fractions in life. And this is God's word. And don't you just wish that the world knew it? The world obeyed it? I mean, marriage is huge to God, but unfortunately, it's not huge to us. It's not really seen as holy as it should be seen. So the Pharisees, they contend with Jesus and they counter with another question there in verse 7. They said to them, okay, then why did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her Away. Now, the reference here is way back in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 24. If you read verses 1 through 4, it has the whole thing where the Bible says that if a man found an uncleanness in his wife, he could divorce her and send her away. But the Lord explains the whole thing in verses 8 and 9. And he said, listen, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. 
But from the beginning, it was not so. You know, God permits us to do things that sometimes are not his perfect will. Did you guys, have you discovered that yet (laughs) in life as a Christian? Some people say, well, if it's an open door, if God allows me to do it, then it must be his will. No, that's not true. Just because you're allowed to do something, you're free to do something. There's an open door, so to speak. It doesn't mean it was God's perfect will. You know, another interesting thing, you read the Old Testament. Did you know that God permitted polygamy? In, in one sense, you read the Old Testament. And it was, you know, there, how many uh, wives did Solomon have? 300 wives, man, 700 concubines. Talk about problems. It must have been crazy. I mean, David had a number of wives. Abraham... You know, and you look at these things and you realize, you know, God did permit it, but it was never, ever, ever approved by God. You see, and that's where we make that distinction, you guys. Here we see, yeah, the Lord says, you know, Moses permitted it. Why? Because of the hardness of your heart. Because so many of us are so stubborn. We want to do our own will. We fight. We kick against the goads. And God says, yeah, Moses permitted it because of the hardness of your heart, but if you want to get down to the bottom line, what the perfect will of God is, you look back in the beginning and it was not so. That's not God's heart. The Lord explains this to them in verses 8 and 9. The Lord answers the question of the Pharisees and he says, listen, the civil law of Israel allowed divorce because of the hardness of the heart, but the law of the Lord is not to divorce for just any reason. And so Jesus takes them back to the beginning, back to the first love, and he applies that model marriage to every single marriage that would ever follow in the history of mankind. It doesn't matter where you got married. You may have gotten married in some pastor's office or some you know, civil courtroom. It doesn't matter where you got married. Anyone who's married, their marriage always goes back and is pointed to the first fundamental marriage in the Bible there in the book of Genesis. And he says, hey, this is how it is. God made them male and female. God made them one for life. But then he gives the exception there in verse 9. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except, here it is, for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. So, important. I was going to ask you guys earlier, I was thinking, ma'am, I should ask them here. How how many of you here are are married? Just out of curiosity, raise your hand. If you could keep your hand... Hi, and and hold it up for a second, even if you didn't put deodorant on. Just go ahead and do that, okay? Now, how many of you here are single? Keep Everybody keep your hands up if it applies so far. And so I was thinking, hey, this applies to everybody here today, right? Because we're all married or we're all single. And that's why it's so important. Well, what does the Bible say about marriage, divorce, singleness? This right here is so important. And as we get into the application, you're going to see how awesome it is. But when we look at this, we see there are only a couple of clear-cut exceptions according to the scriptures when it comes to ending a marriage. Number one is adultery. That's said right here. And number two is abandonment. We'll see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You know, we read about adultery here in verse 9. If your spouse, if you're here today and your spouse was unfaithful to you, then according to the Bible, you are free. You are permitted to divorce. God knows that sometimes when that adultery takes place, it's like a death blow to a relationship sometimes. And you are free. You're permitted. You're not pushed. 
but you're permitted to divorce. And you keep it in prayer and you see what the Lord does. And I've seen some marriages come back together after things like that. And some marriages are thriving even after such hard times like that. But sometimes the offender is not willing to repent. And so I want to share with you today, if that's you, and you're here today and someone was unfaithful to you, according to God, you are free. You are pure to move on with your life. But another reason, according to the scriptures, is over in the book of 1 Corinthians. And let's go ahead and turn there, you guys. First Corinthians chapter 7. And Paul talks about marriage and singleness, really this whole chapter right here. But look what he says here in verse 15. He says, But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. And so if you're there in a marriage and uh, you're, maybe you're married to an unbeliever and they're okay to stay with you, then you stay with them. But if that individual, uh, that unbeliever, or even the believer, if they leave, if they abandon the marriage, then according to the scriptures, you are free to move on. You know, if you're here today and you've divorced on biblical grounds, please understand, you guys, today, you are by no means a second-class citizen. Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God got a divorce. Did you guys know that? God was divorced. The Bible says that in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 3, verse 8. God says, And I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. So whatever you do, do not think you're a second-class citizen if you're here today with a divorce on biblical grounds. No, you're not. You're free. And God has plans for your life. But the scripture says this, that we are not to divorce for just any reason. The only two reasons are, number one, adultery, and number two, abandonment. If your spouse splits, if they leave you, if they abandon you, then you can go and move on with your life. You know, but God is not talking about, and some people will try to twist this whole thing, emotional abandonment. That's not what God is speaking about. You know, or you, you know, you're there and they went to 7-Eleven. You're thinking, oh, I'm free to move on. You know, no, that's not what God is talking about. No, if it's clearly adultery, if it's clearly abandonment, then and only then are you clearly free to move on with your life. And that's why it's so important, you guys, I encourage you to wait on the Lord. You marry the right person. And when you're married, you be the right person. To see marriage as God sees it, that the two shall become one, and what God has joined together, let not man separate. See, we need to have that understanding. You know, you get in a fight, and a lot of times what happens, some couples are so crazy, what do they do? They bring up the divorce word. Never, ever, ever say divorce. Never, ever, ever say I'm leaving. No, I mean, that's just crazy. That's totally from the pit. No, you don't do that, man. We have, don't have that option. You know, you look at this and you think of adultery, you think of abandonment. I think it's kind of interesting, you guys, to note that the two causes of divorce are things that take place when couples drift apart, when they are no longer investing in their marriage, when they no longer draw closer to God and to each other as a couple, when there's no longer that intimacy in their relationship. It's been a long time since they've talked and they've had that heartfelt 
consideration and conversation. It's nowhere to be found in that relationship. And so what happens? The you know, commitment, it wavers little by little, one day at a time, and then the weeks become months, and the months become years. And what happens? Over that period of time, you end up drifting apart. And then someone comes in, and they sweep her off her feet, or they sweep him off their feet, and he leaves, she leaves, never to return. Adultery, abandonment. The root causes of those are because couples are not obedient to the command, leaving all others and cleaving unto your wife, cleaving unto your husband. You know, anytime you invest in your marriage, anytime you make a decision to draw closer to your wife or to your husband, to spend time together just cleaving unto each other, you're investing in your marriage and you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. You know, I read this right here and I'm so glad that Jesus was tested because then we can be taught when it comes to marriage. And we read this right here and we see that divorce is not to be entered into disobediently. You know, one person said that marriage is like shears joined together, sometimes moving in opposite directions, but coming together and thereby punishing anything that comes between them. If anything comes between you and your spouse, I don't care if it's your right arm, cut it off. I don't care if it's your right eye, pluck it out. Let nothing or no one come between you and your spouse. Remember this, you guys. The grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. It never, ever is. You, you see her and you're thinking, oh, I would love to be with her. Let me tell you something. The grass is not greener over there. That's artificial turf, man. It really is. <laughs> It's not the best thing for you, no matter who you are. Maybe your spouse is not cooperating with you. That happens sometimes. It doesn't matter. You still draw nearer to your spouse. You still cleave to your spouse. You go to him. You go to her. Because God will use you. The Bible says what? You know, when you know, two are joined together, it's better off. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two are better than one because when one falls... There's the other to kick him, right? No, I'm just joking. When, two, when one falls, what happens? There's the other to lift them up. I know it's hard to do because you're thinking, yeah, but they're not treating me nice. It still doesn't matter. That's what God calls us to do. In the book of Malachi, let's turn back real quick. Look what it says, you guys. Malachi chapter 2, verse 13. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Well, here's the reason, you guys. Here's the reason why a lot of times husbands, wives even sometimes, they don't have that peace in their life. They don't have that communion with Christ. He says, here's the reason. Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your compa, it says right there, and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? It says right there, because he seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. God help us to not 
you know, buy into the lie of the world. They say, hey, you know, people change. You know, you got to move on. And a lot of times things are, are tough financially and that creates a lot of stress on, on marriages, you know. Whatever the case may be, you guys, God help us not to be a hypocritical church that will fight tooth and nail for the political marriage scene and is not willing to fight for their personal marriage. If the church and the husband and the wife were the witnesses they should be, then, man, I'm telling you some this country would change. So let it begin in the home. And then, and only then, let it go into the courtroom. We need to know this as Christians living in America today. And you look at this right here, and obviously in a fallen world, this is kind of radical thinking. And it's not going to be so easy. And that's why the disciples say there in verse 10, well, if such is the case of the man with his wife, it's better not to marry. <laughs> they say, forget it. That sounds real crazy, right? And, you know, these guys right here, they didn't have a clue yet. They didn't understand the cross. And Jesus then goes on to speak on singleness. And see, so he says there in verse 11, all cannot accept this saying. You can't just be single flippantly. Listen, he says, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. Jesus teaches on marriage and divorce, and then he teaches on singleness. And I think it's so cool that he does that. You know, the disciples say, okay, well, if it's that, you know, deep and that commitment, then, you know, I don't think I can, I can do it, man. And, and of course, we know with God, all things are possible. With God, marriage is beautiful, right? But the Lord says, no, when it comes to singleness, there's a few things that take place. You know, he speaks about the eunuchs here. And the eunuchs in those days were individuals, uh, they were men that were usually captured and then they were servants to the, to the king in some way. Sometimes they were, you know, for the harem. Sometimes they were castrated. They were men that were set apart to be single. And the Lord says this. He says, listen, there's three types of people that are single. One, those who were born that way. And I believe this is speaking of a physical or a spiritual birth. They were just born that way. You know, they were made that way. God gave them that gift of singleness. And they're able to go out, no problem. They're not distracted by the longings of being with someone else. I mean, they may come once in a while, but it doesn't dominate their life. Paul the Apostle talks about the gift of singleness over in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says he wished in one sense that, you know, everyone was like him. Now, it's kind of interesting. Paul, prior to that, had been married. We believe that because he was part of the uh, the, the court there, the Jewish court, the Sanhedrin, casting votes. And the only way he could be part of that court if he was married. But probably what happened to Paul is when he became a Christian, his wife left him. And so from that point on, new birth, he got the gift of singleness. And he said, listen, I wish everybody was like me. And so there are some, according to the scriptures, that are gifted in this area. They just start not having a problem with staying single. They just focus on the Lord. Now, I wonder if anyone here has that gift. I know some of you, I've taught to you, you don't have that gift, you know. <laughs> now, the second class of people right here are some people who are forced into it by men. Now, it's kind of interesting. You can picture this and you can kind of apply this in a couple of ways. I mean, captured by a king, castrated by a king. Yeah, forced into it. 
But sometimes we're forced into it by our own awful decisions. Men, men make people single. It's interesting when you think of it that way. God makes some single, men make some single, right? And the third is this. While others have gone against the grain, and they, what they do is they make a sacrifice for the Lord. These, obviously, in the third category, it doesn't seem like they have the gift as, you know, per se, but they've made a decision to make that sacrifice. They make themselves eunuchs. Why? It says right there. For the kingdom of heaven's sake. You know, I, I, I talk to people, and a lot of times I know this is a struggle for single people. You know, but I want to encourage you guys to, man, enjoy your singleness. You know, if you focus on the Lord, I don't care who you are, you focus on the Lord as a single person, you are free to please Him. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It says, he who is married, what do they have to focus on? Pleasing the wife, right? All the honeydews, right? All the things, the list of things that you've got to do. And if your wife's not happy, let me tell you, you're not happy. That's the bottom line, right? It's tough sometimes. And so you're there, and some of us are different. Some are high maintenance, some husbands, some wives. And man, the bottom line is you don't have as much energy. You don't have as much time. Sometimes you don't have as much money. You know, everybody's different and stuff. You know, and you're married, and, you know. But when you're single, and you've got your eyes on the Lord, Man, God can use your life in ways that he couldn't if you're married. And that's the third category that we see right here. It's more than likely that these three in the last port, they they made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. I think of someone like John Stott, one of my favorite Bible teachers, or maybe even Nancy Lee DeMoss. Many of you ladies have seen her videos or read her books. Incredible, incredible, incredible how these single people were used by God, have been used by God over the years. I encourage you guys, man, wherever you're at, you don't want to end up on the corner crying uncontrollably because <laughs> you didn't get Bobby or because you got Bobby, man. If you're married, you guys, let's just focus on this relationship with the Lord and with each other. If you're single, you get your eyes off that person and you get your eyes on jesus christ and if it's jesus christ who wants you to get married which i know is what you want his will not yours then let me tell you something he will bring it to pass but right now serve the lord serve the lord with all your heart and i just really want to encourage you guys in these things let me give you real quick kind of like a summary of what we studied today some application here. For those of you who are married, I want to share with you, and I think we have it up here. Number one, the makeup of marriage, male and female, okay? Makeup is kind of a good word, huh? Male and female. That's the way it works, you guys. Number two, the math of marriage. The two shall be one. Never forget that. The two shall be one. Man, I encourage you to cleave to your spouse. Draw closer to your spouse. Okay? And number three, the mandate of marriage, to leave and cleave. You know, I, I want to encourage you. There might be some of you here today, you've never acted on divorce. You don't have, you never filed the papers. There has not been that activity, that action. But maybe there's that attitude. And if you have the attitude of divorce, departing, 
drifting, then today, repent. God wants you to stay together. God wants you to get closer. God will use your life as you focus on Him. And then for you singles that are here today, there are three types of people that are single. Number one, single by birth. And by that I mean old, you know, physical birth and spiritual birth. It's totally God, right? Totally God. If that's you, man, rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. And then there are those that are single by sin. By sin. And that's man. It's a tough place to be. But God just wants us to repent. Maybe you're here today and you got an unbiblical divorce. You know, if that happened prior to you becoming a Christian, you didn't know better, right? If that happened to you, B.C., before you were a Christian, you didn't really have God's word. And so, you know what? The Bible says it doesn't matter. Those things are all washed away. Everything becomes new. But if that's happened to you as a Christian, then I want to encourage you guys today to repent of that. You know, there are some times, and oh man, we're running out of time. I was reading a really neat book by Jay Adams on marriage, divorce, and singleness. A great book. You guys should pick it up. And, you know, um, he was talking about how a lot of times these divorces, they need to kind of get back together. They really do. And so if that's you and you've got an unbiblical divorce, make sure that you repent of that. And the number three, the singles that are single by sacrifice. This is not just God, this is not just man, this is God and man working together and you guys are so caught up. You're like, hey, I want to go to Africa. Well, chances are your wife and your kids aren't going to want to go with you, so you just go (laughs) and you're on a missionary trip. I want to go to India, I want to go to wherever, man. And you're able to do that. You're free to serve the Lord like that. Now, one real quick thing. Right here in Matthew 19, it says right there in verse 9 at the end, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery now some will say well then if you've had a divorce then you cannot remarry but here the idea is if you've had an unbiblical divorce you cannot remarry and there's a lot of things that go into this whole thing unless you repent but let's turn over to first corinthians chapter 7 because i just want to make sure that i don't leave you guys hanging on that that we know what jesus taught on marriage and matthew 7 look what it says in verse 27 are you bound to a wife do not seek to be loosed. Okay, in other words, are you married? Okay, don't look for a divorce, right? Okay, and then he says, are you loose from a wife? In other words, have you been divorced? He says, then don't seek a wife. In other words, don't let that be your master passion. But he says, but even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And so if you've been loose from a wife or a husband, You know, you don't go and say, oh, I want to get married tomorrow. No, but he says right here, listen, but if you do marry after a biblical divorce, understand this, you have not sinned. This is what the Bible teaches you guys. And I just want to encourage you today as we even now partake of communion. It applies to all of us here. God is just calling us into a right relationship with him. And so I want to encourage you, if you're married today, you know, to let God work in your life when you're going through difficulties. I want to pray for you. I know how tough marriage can be. I want to pray for those of you who are married and that are struggling in that marriage. And also I want to pray for those of you here today who are single and, and it's been a struggle or you've just got these questions that are dancing around in your head. I want to pray for you as well. And so 
Let's bow our heads, you guys, and pray. Father, we thank you for allowing us to study your word. And, oh, Lord, I pray you forgive us of our hypocrisy, Lord. It is a good concern to be political about marriage. But it's a greater concern to be personal about marriage. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that you speak to their hearts, that you bless them. And I pray, Lord, if there are any here today, any married couples that are going through hard times and, and difficulties, God, that, that they would just uh, rejoice in your word today. God, that you've made a way, that you have shown us that this is for life. And so, Lord God, I pray that you would grant us that grace to be able to draw near to you and to be able to draw near to our spouse. Lord, give us that understanding. Give us that heart. Never to divorce by action or attitude on unbiblical grounds. And Father, I pray for the single people that are here today, Lord, as uh, it's such a beautiful thing to see that, Lord. I pray that they would wait on you and, and in your perfect timing, Lord, your timing, uh, Lord God, that their life would live. And just pray that you give them the ability, the grace to be able to focus on you. And Lord God, just to be able to serve you without distraction. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And as we partake of communion now, Lord, we just want to pray that you would just wash us of our sins. Lord, that you would allow us just to enter into your holy of holies. That you bless your church. You bless your marriages. You bless your people. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us.